Tonight we have the lovely couple from Float in the Forest joining us, Will and Sherry. I'm really excited to have them on. We go back, uh, gosh, quite a number of years now. And a very sweet and very bright couple. Been successful in starting and running their business and uh, also have a really cool vision for their business. And I'll be excited to talk about that as well as some differences about running the float center between you know the U.S. and in Europe and uh, specifically in the U.K. So should be a really fun, interesting episode for you. And before we get started, uh, Helmbot has another update that's pretty cool. When you're creating a gift card series, you type in all the information, make all the edits and whatnot. But how cool would it be if you could just duplicate one and then make any changes you wanted? That's what you can do now with their latest update is when you create a gift card, you can just grab all the information from a, from a previous series. And then if you want, make some alterations to it. Maybe type Father's Day instead of Mother's Day. <laughs> Whatever changes right for you. Helmbot.com is where you want to go to check them out, schedule a tour and make sure it's a good fit for you. Big shout out to Isopod as well. We actually end up talking about Isopod at the very last minute of this episode. Uh, they have isopods at their float center, started with two, and of course they got a third because the isopods are a great, brilliant float tank. I'll let them talk about that a little bit more, but yeah, we believe in our isopods at the float shop. I-SOPOD.com is where you want to go, and uh, yeah, let's go ahead and meet Will and Sherry. Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. My name is Dylan, and I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon, and I am, well, I'm the only one in the United States on this podcast here. All my co-hosts weren't able to make it this evening, regretfully, regretfully for them, because we have some really special guests on this evening. We have Sherry and Will from Float in the Forest, and it's a joy to see you guys again. (laughs) Thanks so much for being here on the podcast, and it's just good to see your faces. Thank you for having us. It was great to be here, Dylan. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was saying, <laughs> I was saying beforehand, you guys look great. Uh, I was saying that the the shop must be doing wonderful and life must be easy. But then you told me you've been on vacation. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the timing was quite good. We've had a nice little break. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, did you need one? Is that what? Or yeah, just I think in it- the schedule, and you guys take care of yourselves. Well, no, this was this was a rare occasion. <laughs> yeah, Got we closed it. the centre for a week, yeah, uh, which I saw was that. a that's right. Yeah, that was um, a real rare thing for us, wasn't it? it yeah, was, it was generally needed. I'd say it wasn't sort of desperate that occasion, but yeah, it was generally needed. We're we're a sort of an, a place where it was possible to take a pause like that between kind of the previous big project and the next big project. So. It was like kind of now or never, really. Yeah. So, oh, is that right? Well, well may I inquire? Well, not never. <laughs> well, we we just installed a, a third float pod um, early part of this year, so we've been getting to grips with that, and I think needed a break in terms of mm. triple changeovers. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And just about to take on our first staff member. Oh yay! Congratulations! Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, all right. Let's let's rewind a little bit here and, and give some setup. Can you guys talk about where you're located, how how you got started, and and we'll go from there. 
So we're located in the Forest of Dean, um, which is in the UK. We are just about in England, but very close to the border with Wales, in case that helps people. Um, it's a beautiful area. It's quite a tourist destination. It is quite rural, but we have people who travel from about an hour's drive, so surrounding towns and cities as well. Um, I think you should talk about how we came to be. Wow, that's an epic <laughs> subject. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess it goes back to sort of late 90s. Um, we were both students in London, and uh, I had kind of this local bookshop which I'd go into, a uh, second-hand bookshop, and I'd kind of gather books and winnow them down to my budget and, uh, you know, find all these obscure and esoteric subjects which I was fascinated by at the time. And uh, I found the John Lilly book, and it was uh, Centre of the Cyclone, and it was like, that one's a keeper straight away kind of thing. <laughs> nice. And so I was reading about... Uh, reading about it from this book and kind of fascinated by the idea of flotation having never done it and I was kind of raving about the prospect <laughs> to everyone who would listen and I was at <laughs> yeah I was at this uh, party one night and kind of bending people's ear about this and saying you know have you heard of this thing do you know where there is one how can we do this and uh, so I came out of that party in the small hours and discovered that on the opposite side of the road was Floatworks uh, which no was <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of those kind of like hairs on the back of the neck go nice. up kind of wonderful kismet Ooh. that's great yeah. so yeah that was kind of the sort of the, the beginning of a, a long and somewhat disjointed journey <laughs> did you walk across the street and float right then no, because it was like three in the morning. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they were open, but I did. I did call them the next day and schedule really? straight away. So, awesome! I love it. Yeah. Great. Uh, and then from there, how did how did you decide to open a center and share it with with your community, especially as a couple? Well, a lot has happened since then. I mean, we we were students um, and wouldn't have dreamt of it back in those days. You know, we had our own ideas and. Um, careers not that they were particularly linear but um are in things that we went and did um but the idea came to you kind of gradually didn't it yeah well in the pod originally floating so uh, you know it was one of those times where i wasn't particularly enjoying what i was doing with my life and i was floating and the possibility arose so that was probably about early 2000s 2005 maybe somewhere around then and it was, you know, kind of dismissed after the float as, like, kind of a lovely idea, but not something that was a practical possibility, you know. Um, but then that came back around maybe a decade or so later as a possibility of something that might actually be a, a viable option. But again, you know, it was kind of, like, uh, too steep a, a, a road to climb, it seemed, at the time, until I then was doing some body work with this guy who it emerged was living uh, on the land next to where Lee and Glenn Perry have the had the Samadhi um, business so that was another kind of nudge right, right yeah. 
so yeah we were lucky enough to go over and spend some time with them for a while mm. and that was a catalyst really I think we had decided by that point that we wanted to do it mm. um, I had um, I was mainly working for charities um, in small uh, sort of concise contracts and my contract came to an end and we'd started talking about it and we thought now's the time let's just seize it if we if we don't try we'll never know um, let's go on this adventure um, so that was end of 2016 and yeah we had this opportunity to go and meet Lee and Glenn so that was when the idea was just sort of um, forming really so we were able to go and spend some time with them which was amazing and inspiring mm. yeah beautiful nice yeah so yeah um, and so we'd, we'd sorry oh, oh no you go ahead you go ahead I'll... <laughs> I was going to say we'd already been living in the Forest of Dean um, for um, five years at that point um, so we'd gone from London um, and lived in other places in between but um, our life in London as young students was hectic and fun whereas here we're in this sort of chilled out space and we thought yeah people could emerge from there float into the forest into nature a peaceful environment that thing about having your senses enhanced um and being able to go into the trees and notice the the sights and the sounds and the smells of the forest um in that enhanced state that was part of the inspiration really yeah so we consulted together um and that was that that's exactly what you described to me that vision was it um and you guys were confident that people would come like this is something that um based on the location you know i mean you're always looking at how many people the population um how many people are going to be wanting to visit your center um you just weigh the different factors and you guys were confident that this was a good location and i'd love to know um i mean of course i want to ask about business but i want to hear about that vision part are people staying and experiencing nature there or do they pop in, pop out? Not so much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they don't tend to go for walks among the trees. Um, occasionally. I think they appreciate when they come out of the centre that the area around is generally pretty quiet. I think they appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. And we quite often point people to go off to other areas around the forest and you they're do, quite often great. yeah and they're quite often visiting the area you know we get a lot of tourists um so they're coming for a relaxed break and um sort of combine us in with that um but yeah i mean i think it's part of the vision but um not necessarily the the sort of main reason for people coming sure i, th- I think it's one of those things where it's not necessarily um a deliberate planned um element of the overall experience for the person who's coming particularly not the first occasion Mm -hmm. but i think it's one of those kind of set and setting subtle uh conditioners you know unconscious yeah yeah oh i can only imagine that'd be so beautiful to float at your center absolutely (laughs) um I mean, we're we're downtown. Like your only option is to walk right out into traffic, you know. And mm. um, we have forests nearby; you can get there. But that's such a conscious choice as to just feeling nature wash over you as soon as you get out of a float. That sounds yeah. like magic to me. <laughs> um, you guys had a at a pretty big build out. Yours was, I would say, an unusually uh, epic. Could you share a little bit about your experience? I mean, everybody has build out experiences, but. 
Well, I'll, I'll, I'll mostly let Will talk about that, but I was just going to say, um, as yeah. I think you know, um, <clears throat> we had a difficult search. Um, we looked over a period of a year and a half at 16 different venues. And that is in detail, not not just looking online. We went to visit these places. We drew out um, potential layouts. We looked wow. into all sorts of different aspects of them. And so it was like a roller coaster, uh-huh. an emotional roller coaster of a journey. Sure. And the place that we found was actually, I think, number 14 out of 16. So we went on to look at a couple of <laughs> other places before we came back to this one. That's, because it was... And I, um, I had complete reservations about it because it was so huge and just an empty space and I said how on earth can we heat that um, what are we going to do with that space so I was really reluctant at first but he had the vision so I'll let you talk about that well it was I mean this, the same factor was also a, a benefit in that it was a very clean slate so I think we dodged a lot of bullets that other more established um venues may have fired our way so you know things like adapting existing spaces if you're pulling stuff out you never quite know what you might discover whereas the nice thing here was that you'd walk in and it was yeah it was was, um, an industrial unit so it's about nine meters high at the highest point um, about 180 square meters uh, kind of rectangular space quite a nice industrial unit it was, it's got stone cladding on the outside which is kind of in keeping with the outside um, sort of forest vibe um, it's very well built it was originally built with um, some I think it was some public money that was part of a rural development program so everything was quite well specified there, there wasn't corners cut in terms of cost for the original f- structure Yeah. so but um, yeah, as you say Dylan even with a beautiful clean slate there's you know challenges <laughs> like we we couldn't cut the concrete floor um so that meant all sorts of implications for drainage um in terms of build out uh, we, we originally decided to overcome some of those by using a pump uh mm-hmm. with hindsight not the wisest of choices can Gravity. you elaborate on that Sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there was there was uh, one kind of pre-existing uh, kind of waste pipe that was already into the concrete and mm. went out underneath the, the foundations. So the plan was to use that as the lowest point, um, but the regulations in terms of fall, as in the angle of drainage pipes, mm-hmm. uh, meant that we had to not only have steps up so that the the actual finished floor level of the float rooms had to be about 250 millimeters about a foot uh higher wow than than the concrete um in order to gain the falls but even then that wasn't quite enough and and we're limited by how much we could raise it up because of access and you know the the maximum depth that you can have a step sure so oh, wow. so for example yeah so you, you, you for accessibility there's regulations about the ratio of a slope that you, that you that you can have so you have to have a, a maximum incline of one in 12 so there's gradually all these all these um constraints primarily yeah. driven by the regulations yeah. were superimposed on the space which seemed like this huge 
open sphere of possibilities, yeah, but actually yeah. was quite constrained by these by these kind of limitations. But um, to come back to your question about the pump, so yeah. we had to. So the the solution again, I didn't want to put holes through the walls because part of the constraints of the lease were um, to to have uh, the. the any cost of reversion in the future because yep. we're, le- we're leasing the space mm-hmm. any cost of reversion would, would fall on us so um, one of the consequences of that was minimising kind of changes to the fabric of the building including penetrations through the walls sure. so rather than put holes through the walls and then use the greater drop because the floor level internally was higher than the floor level externally in some places so if we'd have chosen at the beginning to put penetrations through the walls, it would have been very simple because we could take advantage of that additional drop external to the building uh-huh. to have the, the requisite falls. But the choice was made by, by, basically by me. Uh, <laughs> so I had to put my hand up to that one to, to use a pump in order to avoid putting penetrations I'm, through the wall. I'm sure Sherry never brings that up. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't. I completely, pretty much defer to him with the construction. I mean, all of what he managed to... And to plan and achieve, really. You're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we did have a stressful first day of beta testers. We we planned a oh, fully wow. booked day of beta testers, and the the floors were flooding. Yeah. Um, so yeah, long story oh, short, is nightmare. The, the pump that I chose after great research yeah. was not appropriate to the to the to the job. Uh, and but by then, it's you know it was too late. Everything was under the floors. Was, we couldn't rip up the floors, so. I, we had to put penetration through the external wall in the end anyway. So, oh, so my God. God. So wow. We could have saved, so, our, you know, it's one of those hindsight things. Of course. Of course. Oh, my Lord. So, I, I'm sorry, I'm a little confused. What was the resolution and why did... Did you just run piping through the walls to the existing drainage? Yeah, so the, the, there's, a slight, the, the, there's a slight incline in the right. ground level across the length of the building externally so that meant that um, we were able to put holes through the walls um, at the level where the pump was which was basically sat on the concrete plinth of the foundation so we were able to take uh, a pipe through the external wall at that point and on the outside there was still then additional fall to be able to take a pipe and run down the side of the building and then come into Uh the external sewer at the front. <laughs> okay. Uh, so simple the whole time. It was so... <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, uh, you guys... Uh, so, yeah, you guys just had, had some challenges. I don't even think I knew about that one, to be honest. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, my gosh. Um, you guys had really clear visions on the design of your, your layout, uh, building, the inside, and how you wanted it to, to look. Um, and feel um, do you feel like you hit the mark do you feel in retrospect like you made the right choices I think we had some crazy ideas at the beginning and we actually um, we we took on a a guy he's a surveyor isn't he who kind of reeled us in a little bit and (laughs) said you can't do that and what are you thinking and "Mm, what were some of the crazier ideas (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you had a vision of an octagonal room, didn't you? An octagonal lounge. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> would have been cool. very cool, but yeah. very complicated. Sure. Um, 
and um, yeah, and then there were certain things that he was very knowledgeable on um, fire regulations and stuff like you couldn't have rooms that just came off other rooms, you know, that you could that you'd have to go through several rooms before you got to the outside. He, he sort of reeled us in on those. Um, so I think he simplified the design a bit, didn't he? And told us what we could do and couldn't do. Um, and we simplified it a bit as well. We did have this vision of lovely sails on the ceiling in the lounge, didn't we? That never quite happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's 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 a very kind of iterative process, I guess it always is for everyone, as you kind of, um, you discover layers of constraint, which can actually be um, clarifying, you know, um, mm. because you're when your when your creativity is constrained it's kind of um, can be more fruitful in a way if you see what i mean yeah absolutely some of the best music is made that way right Mm. give them a blank check and it's like oh mm, you need you need some some limits here to to produce yeah um so uh how is business i mean covid and everything just throws in such a such a wild swing at thing into things but but um it sounds like people are getting out there and even if they're not taking an hour long walk through the forest <laughs> afterwards um, it is working as a tourist location and people are popping yeah. in or travel yeah know, so um, well, we, we can come back to COVID if you like but we had been open for just over a year when COVID came along um, which was actually not bad if it had been earlier than that i think that would have been a lot oh, worse and okay, as yeah. i think some other people who opened after us suffered more okay. um but no it's it's been good we have a good balance of people who come from different locations so um the immediate area in the forest of dean um we have some people come and it's probably taking longer to reach those people and and tell them about us than it is people for people further afield um so then we have people who travel like i say about up to an hour from surrounding towns and cities um and then we have the tourists who are who are more seasonal um but also great at being last minute bookings so a lot of people go away and don't think about what they're going to do until they get there um And last summer, well, actually, the last two summers, we were having to turn them away because we were fully booked. Um, wow. Awesome. Which was both amazing and painful. Um, whereas now we've got the third, now exactly, we've got the third yeah. pod, um, we have extra capacity. And so we're finding those last minute bookings. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's good. Yeah. We've, we've just had um, the third pod for, was it two, three months? Yeah. Um, so we're still finding our feet with it, but the weekends are, are getting booked up um, and getting there gradually with the weekdays as well. Congratulations. So, yeah. That's wonderful. I, enough to the point, apparently, to be able to bring on an employee. That- yes. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. I mean, we I think in the original vision, we thought we would get an employee about nine months in. <laughs> and it's been three and a bit years, um, but that's probably always the way. Um yeah, and um, yeah, excited about getting someone to help us now. Yeah, it's um, it seems like a the next step of the adventure, you know, and one which sure. has yeah. you know has has a whole new kind of opening uh, opens a whole new set of challenges. It's it's kind of like uh, feels sometimes like kind of running a small business, particularly I don't 
I guess, particularly a float business. It's like a continuous initiation, you know. There's, <laughs> look, How like, do you, I document this and pass this on to somebody? Uh, like, yeah. Because every day is different. So is that yeah. somewhere around what you're describing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, yeah, the, the learning curve for us is constantly ongoing. But that right. makes it exciting, doesn't it? It's, um, it's an adventure. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, a beautiful thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> awesome. Moving on a little bit here, I'm curious if we can talk about some of the differences. I mean, I'm. I feel like a lot of the float community discussion is in the United States. The float conference occurs in the United States. Um, I'm curious, what have you found maybe is a little bit different across the pond? Um, mm. Whether maybe it's with your demographics or apparently opening uh, your, your building. I mean, you have different regulations, of course. And we have some of that, you know, between states for sure. Um, mm. But are there any differences that, that call out to you? Especially what I would love is for people, again, across the pond to be able to hear this and, and hear these differences and know that they are heard and seen. <sighs> yeah, so... Oh, I'll let Will come up with some of his ideas, but um, in a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think the one that strikes me is that sales, I think, is quite different here in the UK. Okay. Um, so we have to be kind of careful, I guess, not to be not to come across pushy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the UK sensibilities, people get turned off if they think that you're pushing something on them. And... Um, so yeah, we we don't tend to. Well, it's it's also personally our choice. We don't tend to sell sell to people when they come out of their float. Um, for us, that would be kind of uncomfortable, I think, personally. But it is also a cultural thing. Um, so we do follow up with people with emails afterwards. Um, but yeah, I from a lot of what we hear, um, that would be kind of crazy. I think um, maybe in America, I don't know. Um, if someone was walking out their floats, just let them walk out the door and, and not try and <laughs> <laughs> upsell them or whatever. Well, I think that yeah. is quite different. Yeah, I mean, I as somebody who started out very much, I feel like how you guys are currently, I've had to wind myself up more to, to be able to let them know, like, oh, you had a great experience and talk about that. And also, just so you know, we have this available um, is something that I'm, I'm kind of constantly pushing against. And then because I have that reticence, yeah, our employees can, um, I guess, kind of kind of miss that as well. So I might be in the other room and hear that nobody was told about a starter pack, whatever. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's a thing. Whereas I think I think that's exactly what you're describing the, the difference. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what do you think? I'll put him on the spot now. There's good. There's differences in terms of regulation as well, I guess. Um, in that there's local authorities and they have their constraints um, and there's you know sort of national legislation but really there's hitherto been nothing of this sort of similar scale to the things that you've described on the podcast and in previous episodes in terms of health uh, local health authority um, strictures and um, constraints that are imposed it seems kind of a bit more open in the UK as far as regulation goes specifically about the float itself 
putting aside anything in terms of the planning and the building control and all that I think that's probably on a par um, in terms of the constraints but um, generally there's not really any um, direct legislation in the UK that that regulates um, floating in the same way that it sounds like in some states at least in the US um, the, the pool kind of regulations seem to yeah, exactly. uh, grab hold of the, the float not necessarily appropriately or to to its benefit so I think that's quite a difference um, so we were you know that that's definitely makes things easier although uh, sometimes again you know having some constraints can be useful and it's kind of a double-edged sword you know it can it makes it slightly um, subject to risk of those who might not inform themselves as well as as well as you might like and yeah. therefore might risk bringing the float in a broader sense into disrepute so sure. yeah yep. it's a double-edged yep. sword there absolutely yep i feel the same way um you had earlier talked about uh, another float center that had opened just before covid and um, it sounds like that was difficult for them mm-hmm. um in, I mean, I'm not going to have you speak for all of Europe, but um, I, but I mean, if you would, uh, no, <laughs> it I, is a I, big. <laughs> <laughs> but but I am curious about like the numbers of float centers and if it if it feels like there are uh, if it's exciting for people to open a float center right now mm-hmm. or if it's kind of like a very there's a very mild energy about it and maybe somebody. We'll just pop up and want to open one occasionally or just what the feeling is over there i think we were in a, a little wave of float centers at the time um we opened in 2019 and there were a few that opened around that time um and there have been i think there's been another little wave again recently hasn't there probably hmm. post covid if if you can say that uh, or since right. the restrictions anyway um so yeah i think it probably is quite an exciting time what do you think yeah, I, I think so. There's certainly, I think it's probably getting on for between 70 and 80 float centres in the UK, at least, now. Uh, oh, really? Mm. Okay. Which, wow. which is quite substantial increase, say, on five years ago. Uh, yeah. So it's definitely, you know, the, the curve that you can view in the, um, the wonderful uh, State of the Industry reports that, uh, that have been put together is kind of um, I guess we're a couple of years maybe three years or something behind mm-hmm. that curve that occurred in the in the, in the US so we're, we're at that part of that hockey stick I think that's still curving upwards okay. well centres have closed as well yeah. probably like everywhere sure. but yeah course, I think yeah. it is still growing yeah. Uh, we'll include a link to the uh, Floating Solutions industry report which is super cool mm, packet of information yeah um well, that's really interesting. That's a much larger number than I anticipated, mm. to be honest, uh, that, I, that I would have guessed. Um, part of me is, I mean, what our goal is to provide a resource for float centers out there who are, who are starting and, and running and uh, those who want to grow. And um, where are people finding resources over there? What can we do to better provide resources? Well, we always point people to your podcast because oh. <laughs> we listened. Oh, <laughs> we listened to pretty much the whole back catalogue before we opened. Um, so we know your whole story. <laughs> um, Great, I don't need to say anything. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, we always point people to um, oh, the float and also float tank solutions. Um, so I think a lot of the resources are, are very applicable. 
Um, there'll be okay, great. there'll be some things that that vary, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's some things that are very much universal, and those are you know business related things. You know, like mm. as you men- mentioned earlier, the idea of keeping an eye on what your catchment area has in terms of size of population and demographic and uh, those kind of things are are pretty universal I think Um, with the caveat that Shari mentioned earlier that I think the nature of sales in in the UK is a somewhat different beast in terms of tone Um, but again there's other other things which are very much common as well in terms of the physicality of actually running a centre or water chemistry things there's there's, Mm -hmm. I think there's very much more. The water's not too different over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it varies, okay. but then probably like over there, yeah. Um, yeah. Right, yeah. In terms of the yeah. water composition, <laughs> but we do get we do get people quite regularly, um, you know, coming to us saying we we came to flow with you and we'd love to set up a centre, which is nice. You know, it's great, and we always we have um, this is a balance, isn't it? You know, between um, providing time and and, and free resource when you're you have your resource constrained yourself versus um, you know, wanting to nurture that kind of uh, urge to spread the good word, kind of thing. <laughs> so, absolutely. So, uh, but, but yeah, as Shari says, well. we we always we have kind of a kind of standard response now, which kind of says, you know, um, oh. lots to learn, read this and read that, and then come back to us with questions. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Great. But I will say that um, within the seventy please. to eighty, that um, that includes a wide variety. Um, a lot of which will be maybe a float tank tagged onto a gym or a hairdresser's or a beauty salon or whatever, not necessarily a full-blown oh, focused sure. float centre. Yeah. Beauty salons with, with float tanks? Mm. Cool. That's great. It's interesting, it isn't seems it? Like it is interesting. Um, that, that always raises a little yellow flag to me of do they understand the water chemistry? Are they doing a proper job of maintenance and yeah. all that? Um, but it also makes me feel like floating is more ubiquitous over there. Yeah, People are more maybe. comfortable jumping into a float tank. I don't know necessarily. Still a lot of education. Um, I mean, we've yeah we've been educating constantly and still are, and we still get people who have never heard of it. And um, yeah, <laughs> and what is it? And yeah, um, so it's, it's fun. that's ongoing. Yeah. But having said that, I think it is. Um, there's been that penetration into popular culture to a certain extent now, uh, which means that. I don't know. If certainly, people we people who, are pro, who we, we interact with, which is probably not a representative sample, but people who, who we interact with do tend to more often than not um, have at least heard of it, mm. even if they have misconceptions. Yeah, when I first when I yeah. first started, because I did all the networking and going out and talking to people. When I first started, maybe I don't know a quarter of the people in the room might have heard of it if you're lucky but now it tends to be probably more more than half i think because i've done a lot of talking <laughs> yeah that 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 sounds very familiar with our arc like just i feel like it was 10 percent of people mm-hmm. back in the day here in, in portland and um now it's rare somebody hasn't heard of floating in some mm. capacity like some general idea of it out here yeah yeah um you guys have a, a little bit of a stage here is there anything you'd like to leave other entrepreneurs floatrepreneurs out there who who maybe are thinking about starting or maybe who are running and uh you could give a little advice for tune-up but but particularly the people just starting out i'd be really curious if there's anything you'd like to pass on particularly again like in europe and the uk but not even necessarily that 
this is your chance. This is your moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's probably several things, but one thing I would say is cool, is great. connect with other float center owners. Mm, awesome. Um, reach out, um, make connections, and uh, make friends. Really, um, it's good to talk about stuff. It's good to um, share experiences and not feel alone. Um, so yeah, we've we we don't know everybody in all the centres in the UK, but we have got sure. a few connections, and yeah, they're really valuable. We've got a lot to learn from each other. Love it. Yeah. Have you been able to maintain that through COVID? Yeah, yeah. Um, we so when before we opened, we went to visit a few um, a few centres, and and people were really supportive and really helpful awesome. and sweet. And yeah, those are connections that we've we've carried on, um, and. Yeah, it's um, it's quite it's it's quite a nice little sort of supportive community, isn't it? Yeah. So I'd, yeah, I'd encourage people to to engage with that, not to feel worried um, that people won't want you to open or anything like that. We'd far rather have a conversation and um, yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah and what were you going to say? Well, I think you know a broader kind of approach to take as, as well as you know the engaging with your kind of fellow float, float entrepreneurs is to is, is sort of the attitude that you bring or the, or the motivation or the the stance you take in entering into the business mm. um, because I think there's I don't know if this is particularly true of flotation because I haven't run many other businesses uh, but I, I got a, I've got a feeling it might be particularly true of flotation but that it offers you know running that a float business offers a real wealth of opportunity for um s- sort of self-discovery through service to others uh a kind of process of like i said before of kind of continuous initiation there's so many opportunities for kind of uh to t- to t- to use the situation not only to benefit others but also in doing so in serving others to, to benefit yourself and to develop yourself mm-hmm. and uh, and I think yeah I get the feeling that that flotation offers a greater wealth of opportunity in that regard in all sorts of ways mm-hmm. uh, than perhaps other businesses do so I think if you approach uh, the business with uh, that kind of a stance it, it, the kind of the more mundane uh, aspects of success purely on a business level or in terms of doing things well practically that can all kind of follow as a result by taking that kind of approach so I'd encourage people to um, to enter into the enterprise or the adventure of opening a float centre in that spirit because I think it can only benefit themselves and the people around them. Beautiful. Yes, yes. Let's go out on that note. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love what you're talking about, about being in service of others. And I feel like working at a float center is a wonderful opportunity to just practice presence and connection with people as they come in. And I, I, I think you are, you're preaching it. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you guys for joining this evening. Oh, speaking of evening, uh, what time is it where you guys are at? Uh, two o'clock in the morning. Two o'clock in the morning. Thank <laughs> you for staying up so late and joining me. I did not start early or anything. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. 
I truly appreciate it. Thank I really you. appreciate you guys staying up and, and chatting and uh, getting to hear more of your story. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very I much. I want to give a few thanks before we close out. In addition to Sherry and Will, I also want to thank you for listening to this pod. Thank you so much for joining us this evening or very early morning, uh, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, thanks for all the other things. Supporting us on Patreon means a ton. Checking out shop.artofthefloat.com. Um, and thanks for supporting our sponsors, of course, Helmbot and Isopod. Thank you very much for supporting us. Thanks for supporting them. We got some thumbs up on Isopod. Nice. <laughs> we love Isopod. We have Isopods. Is it all three Isopods? Yes. Oh, super cool. Yay. Great. I, they are such beasts. I love them so much. Yeah. Do you, do you also get the like, oh my gosh, that it's just like, ah, oh, as, as they walk in and they see the float tanks, yeah. like, oh my gosh, okay, the, the ceiling isn't right here. This is a yeah. safe place. Oh, I love it's, that. It's Great. a combination of, oh, it's so much bigger than I thought it would be. And, oh, it looks so cool. Yeah, and, right. You know, it's like a fr- some kind of friendly creature as well. You know, the shape of them. Like a smiling whale or something. Yeah, you know, we have found if you put giant googly eyes on your float tanks, they get very <laughs> That's a Great sweaty, idea. Very, yeah, <laughs> to steal that. Um, you really should. It, it's, you can anthropomorphize them very easily. Um, let's see here. Do I have any other thanks? Um, uh, to my co-hosts in spirit for being here. I'm sorry they weren't able to make it tonight. And to Olga for producing the show, making sure we got our guests on even at a really late hour. And um, I think that's it. Thank you. And as always, remember to find out if you can cut into the flooring before you sign that lease. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Have a great one. We'll see you next week. Thank you. <laughs>